I'll, I'll send that applause to Palos Heights, to uh, Pastor Laura and her husband, Craig, uh, good friends of mine. And uh, we uh, just thank you again for being here and uh, celebrate them. I, I hope you uh, listen to their testimony uh, and about the kind of needs that uh, foster families have, not just um, complex things, but simple things. Uh, and one of the wonderful things that we do is uh, t- to be a church and to be connected uh, and to just continue the support and the relationships uh, that we do here. Uh, here at New Life, we, uh, of course, Jennifer and I are foster parents licensed through LSSI, working with children uh, under DCFS. Uh, but we have people who work with LSSI, with Lutheran Social Services, with Children's Home and Aid, with Youth Social Network. Uh, and we just have a, 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 just a myriad of wonderful people connected to this system. Uh, so I've invited uh, Bob Coffey from uh, Lutheran Social Services to tell us a little bit more about the system uh, and about ways that you can get connected um, and we can share in this ministry together. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me here. And my uh, thanks to whoever prepared all that food. Uh, it, was, it was great. Schnooks, know them well. Um, anyway, how many here in the audience are involved in foster care? Could you stand, please? Let's give these folks a hand. Thanks. I, I don't really know how much more I can say than, than what the Barclays just shared. Uh, they're just amazing people, and uh, we're really sad that they left our community. Uh, but I'm sure that uh, they'll continue their fine ministry wherever they go. Uh, also, I'd like to know, are there any other kind of folks involved in the social service field out there. Could you stand, please? Okay, let's give them a hand. All right. Um, I've, been, I've been involved in this field probably uh, close to 40 years. Uh, and I've done a lot of different things and been involved in a lot of different ways. Uh, I kind of got started in, in youth ministry with an uh, organization called Youth for Christ. I spent probably the first decade of my professional life uh, working with kids and, and uh, in the high school areas. But um, I, took, uh, I took some courses in psychology and got a degree and uh, went on and got some more uh, schooling and kind of decided that I'd like to work with kids and families and um, been doing that for for quite a while what I'd like to know though is just how coordinated you all are uh, I'd, I'd like for you to stand up if you if you would please now I want you to, I want you to, to watch closely and what I want you to do how many can just take it and clap once Okay, a little sporadic there. Um, what I'm going to do is when I cross my hands, I want you to do that, okay? All right? No, no, no. Yeah, when I cross my hands, you're supposed to do that, okay? All right, here we go. All right. No, now, seriously. I'm, I'm, I'm going to... Okay, you ready?
Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, that's the first standing ovation I've gotten this week. So uh, thank you, thank you for that uh, show of, of affection here. Um, anyway, uh, fostering is, is very difficult. My wife and I have been foster parents, so we know a little bit about, uh, and this is my wife, Julie, over here. Uh, she's been hanging out with me for quite some time now and has put up with me, and if I get the stories wrong, she'll correct them later. So um, anyway, um, I started out uh, in, in uh, the social service field as a juvenile probation officer here in Winnebago County uh, back in the 80s and moved on to the Department of Children and Family Services where I was an investigator. And um, I retired from DCFS about two years ago and went to work for Lutheran Social Services as a caseworker. And now I'm in licensing. So it's my joy to go out there and meet people who are interested in becoming foster parents. Uh, I'd like to say that it's, a, it's an easy, monetarily rich avocation to uh, get into. But uh, it's none of that. Uh, as an investigator, I remember many times uh, dragging car seats through the middle of the night and showing up to somebody's house with a child with just the clothes on their back uh, who may have hours earlier been a victim of abuse or maybe a victim of years of neglect where they've just not been fed properly, they haven't been supervised. Um, I remember one night I got called out in good old Rockford. Uh, there was a, a five-year-old with practically no clothes on who had been picked up at 2 o'clock in the morning walking down Auburn Street carrying a handgun. Uh, and you kind of wonder... What kind of future did he have? Uh, I had a young lady on probation to me who was 17, and she had three children. Her first one she had at 13, and her mother was 30. So you can see that sometimes this is such a generational thing. And these kids, just so many of them don't have a chance. But if we can find enough people to kind of step in the gap, then maybe some of those kids will have a chance. Uh, stability and a, a, a home that has good moral values and that, you know, that has food on the table at the regular times where you sit down and you have a conversation and uh, you act like a family you are a family. Uh, these are some things that a lot of kids really don't understand because they've never had it. Uh, there's nothing wrong with single-parent homes, and there's lots of good uh, single parents out there. Uh, but a lot of times, even kids that have both parents, if the parents just really aren't stable and, and have all these issues with drugs, alcohol, domestic violence. Uh, these are all things that, that 
kind of shatter families and break families apart and create horrible environments uh, for these children growing up. So we kind of wonder why things are the way they are. And a lot of it is because of the breakdown of the family. Uh, because people have forgotten that, you know, you have a responsibility. I know when I, every time I pick up my Bible and, and look at the character of Jesus, he was always bringing the children to him. He was always making room for them. He was always concentrating on them, maybe even above the adults that were around. And so uh, I would really love to see more people stepping in the gap as, as Christians, seeing this as a mission field, because this is truly a mission field. You don't have to go to Africa. You don't have to go to Thailand. Uh, you know, I've, I've been to a lot, of, a lot of places out of this country uh, doing Christian work, but there's so much to do here. So much right here in Rockford. You don't even have to go any further than your neighborhood. Uh, I know you see kids wandering around and running loose, and uh, sometimes you kind of wonder, well, what's it like in their house? And uh, so my wish today would be that maybe some of you would kind of do some examining of your hearts and see if maybe there's a place there for a child. Uh, you know, there are, there's a lot of reward that isn't monetary uh, in this. Uh, when you see a child for the first time uh, really feel like they, they're safe, where they don't, they're not constantly wondering, you know, how am I going to get my next meal? Who's going to be home when I get home from school? Uh, how am I going to get from my house to uh, grandma's house? Uh, there's so many things that we take for granted that a lot of these young kids really don't have the any idea that there can be something better out there. And... Uh, you know, folks that, that do fostering uh, provide that. I'll tell you, uh, there are times when I wish I could do it again, but uh, I'm 62 years old, and I, I don't think I want to put myself up there to provide permanency for a two-year-old. Uh, that's uh, probably, not, probably not the best thing for that child. Uh, but anyway, there are some of you out there that maybe this could be something you could consider. You know, we, we're not only looking for folks who want to be foster parents, but maybe maybe even somebody could be a respite provider, meaning, hey, you can take kids for a weekend and give foster parents a break or for a week so they can go on vacation. Uh, that means that you're not having to do that all the time. Uh, or being uh, being part of a support group. Uh, I was kind of amazed in, in Texas they have kind of a, a position in their uh, social services field, even at the state level. Uh, it, they deal with churches, and uh, a 
caseworker will, or a licensing rep will go into a church and they recruit maybe a couple foster parents, but they also recruit a support group that helps provide various things and, and uh, uh, do various things to help support the foster family in that church. Uh, and I think that's kind of really makes some sense. Uh, I, I'm not holding my breath to see the state of Illinois do that, but uh, uh, anyway, uh, I'm happy to be, I, I'm actually happy to be out of DCFS because uh, as I work in, in more of a faith-based ministry uh, agency, I'm at least a, a little more able to share how I feel about things uh, and share my faith uh, at times. And I've had the opportunity to do that. Uh, this is an opportunity uh, not for everybody. Uh, not everybody is kind of wired for this thing. But uh, one thing that everybody can do is they can pray for people who are foster parents. Uh, I hope that you'll put everybody that you know that's a foster parent on your prayer list and uh, pray for them every day. Because uh, I don't think I could have gotten through uh, the time we were foster parents without people keeping us uh, in their prayers and uh, staying close to, to God ourselves. Because uh, it does take some extra... Uh, does take some extra help, and I think it comes from uh, not so much us, but from from the Lord. And uh, anyway, uh, do you guys have any questions? I'd be happy to answer some questions if you have any. Yes. Okay. The, the whoa. The question was. Uh, what does it? What do you have to do to become a foster parent? Actually, uh, what you would do is you would contact our office. Kathy Brown is the person that takes our our intake inquiries, and uh, she would send a packet of materials. Uh, you would fill those out. Uh, you would get a a background check form, uh, and uh, you would get your fingerprints done, and. Uh, then once that is done, uh, they assign it to a licensing representative as a traditional foster parent. Uh, you don't get, you don't have any children placed with you until uh, the licensing process is completed and the background checks have been completed. Uh, it's a little different if you're a relative caregiver. Uh, there are some folks who might have a, a grandchild or a, a niece or a nephew that has come into the system and uh, the oh thank you uh, the investigator uh, who's assigned to the case would would talk to the relative to see if there are any any relatives that would uh, be willing to take the child on and the child can be can be placed in the home prior to being licensed but uh, the foster parent would be licensed only for that child or children that were placed in their home that they're related to. A traditional foster parent can get a call at 2 o'clock in the morning, and uh, uh, if it fits their uh, age requirement and 
capacity, uh, then we might show up. Uh, of course, you have to uh, be okay with the child that we come to place. Did that kind of answer? That would be that would be part of the process. Uh, generally, we come to a home about four or five times during the licensing process. Every time we come, we bring some more paperwork. So we are a paper-intensive uh, organization. We kill a lot of trees, uh, but it's a, it's kind of a process. We try to kind of work through. We don't want to dump everything on you at once. We want to make sure that. Uh, uh, we get everything that we need, and by the time we're done, we have a stack about this big of paperwork uh, once you're licensed. And once you're licensed, you're free game. We will start calling you. Right now, we have such a shortage of, of um, foster parents that uh, it's, uh, it's really disturbing. Uh, we often have to place kids outside of our community. Uh, in the suburbs, uh, and we really don't like that because it, it kind of disrupts the delivery of service. It makes it harder for our caseworkers as far as transporting children for visits because there has to be a visit with the parents every week. Uh, and sometimes as the case develops, there might be multiple visits in a week, especially if it's a, if it's an infant child or, or younger children. Uh, so uh, any other questions? Yes, sir. Well, we, that's kind of a hard one to answer because we do manage to find places for them, but generally it's, it's in the relative. Uh, we place more with relatives than, than with traditional. Uh, where the problem comes in is a lot of times those relative homes, as you understand in social services, a lot of times the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Uh, and a lot of times these relative placements don't work out. I, when I was a caseworker, I had, uh, I went through like four different relatives on, on one case before I finally had to place traditionally uh, with the children. So the traditional foster parents are very important because if those relative placements don't work out, or a lot of times there, is a, there isn't a relative that uh, meets the qualifications. So um, you know, we, could, we could use probably 20 or 30 uh, more traditional foster parents. Yes? Good question. Uh, financially, what happens? Um, if there are children that need to be uh, in daycare, uh, the state pays for that. Uh, there's also a stipend that's, uh, or it's a board payment that, that you get monthly. Uh, and that comes on the fourth uh, Friday of the month. And it ranges, you guys got a raise. I don't know if you knew that. I don't know if you knew that or not. Uh, it's like it went up about seventeen to twenty dollars, depending on the on the kids a month. Uh, 
Uh, but you know, it ranges. The board payments range anywhere from three fifty to four something, uh, and uh, you get that a month to kind of help defray the cost. You get a medical card uh, for the child, so you don't have to worry about Obamacare or anything like that. Uh, you also, <laughs> uh, you also um, uh, get assistance. Uh, they help you with WIC, you know, so you get formula and stuff if uh, you get an infant or something like that. Uh, Kids uh, who are wards also are eligible for the free lunch program at school uh, because they're considered to be homeless, so they they qualify for that. Uh, trying to think of anything else. Right, I mentioned WIC. That's okay. Uh, also, um, there are there is a specialized rate if you have a child with special needs uh, that requires it. I know maybe something like a feeding tube or something like that or or some type of uh, medical condition or behavioral problem. Uh, it's a significant amount more because it's requiring uh, more of your time and attention uh, for that child. Yes? Well, it's it's kind of a hard figure to uh, wrap yourself around. I, if it's thirty percent, I would say that's pretty good. Uh, but uh, you know, a lot of times these these parents don't come around, and that's where we see a lot of adoptions. Uh, we do we do have a lot of children whose uh, parents. Uh, are are unable to uh, fix whatever problem brought their kids into care, and in that case, uh, a lot of times the children will be adopted. Are you are you talking about the bi biological parents? Yes, that happens quite often. Well, uh, the only the only way that Lutheran Social Services can get involved with the family is if the children are removed from their parents. We don't have, uh, although I should say we are beginning a new contract uh, that's going to work with intact families. We haven't started that contract yet, but uh, that will soon be happening where we work with, with uh, families that kids are still in the biological home. Well, I, I, I would suppose that you could do something uh, here in the community. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't think 
it, it could happen through Lutheran Social Services because of confidentiality, uh, and the and the court has certain uh, restrictions on, you know, who can work with the the children. Uh, yes, there is. Uh, there's there's some different limits actually. Uh, you can't you can't have any more than six children in your home, including your own children. Uh, that's under the age of 18. Uh, also, you cannot care for more than two children under the age of two. And you can't uh, you can't uh, care for more than four children under the age of six. So there's some age limitations. Uh, that, that go along with that. Plus, if you have a specialized child, they count as two. Uh, so uh, there can be some different ideas on how many children can be in the home depending on the, the circumstances. Now, sometimes there are sibling groups that where you might have maybe four kids and you have three of your own. Uh, they can do a director's waiver to allow those four sibling children to stay together. Yes. Any other questions? Well, um, most of the most of the children that are adopted, uh, I can't really say that there's, you know, we only work with kids up till the age of. Uh, 17, unless they unless they've got some type of special need, where we can work with them till they're 21. Uh, but most of them uh, that are older, say teenagers and getting into the early 20s, they just go more towards independent living rather than adoption, and sometimes uh, guardianship, uh, where uh, a relative might uh, come in as their guardian. Uh, rather than adoption, what most of our adoptive kids are are the, you know the the babies up to you know like middle school, uh, those are where most of our adoptions take place. Absolutely, I, I actually um, am licensing two homes where uh, one. Uh, one young lady is 20 years old and has a, a one-year-old child, and uh, another young man who is is uh, 19. But they. Well, they would be they would be probably in our part of our specialized group if they had a. If there were a lot of needs that they might have, uh, and they might be in our system till the, till they're 21. Well, you have to realize that 
his question was about behavioral problems of, of children that uh, might be placed in the home. Uh, I would say that a high percentage of our children would have some kind of behavior problem uh, just because of what they've had to go through. Uh, children, there are children that have been uh, sexually abused. Uh, there are children that have been uh, beaten. Uh, I've had children that have been dipped in scalding water. Uh, I've had children that uh, uh, have been a, basically abandoned. Children that have been failure to thrive, who, who their parents didn't feed them. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of things that that happen to children that a lot of times most people really don't want to hear about. Uh, and unfortunately, what happens is that that's affected their development. They're not going to develop the way maybe your children uh, are. And they're going, their behavior is going to be different. And they may be difficult to deal with. That's what makes this such a critical job a critical mission uh, for for people to be involved in, but you have to be willing and and ready to accept that challenge because it is a challenge. Very true, and believe me, I, as part of my responsibility as a licensing rep, I do investigate licensing complaints, and uh, I've had a number of them, and there have been a couple of times when I've had to look at uh, revoking and removing licenses from folks doing foster care because they just really weren't cut out to be foster parents, and some of them... You know, we we have foster parents sign a uh, a uh, note saying that they're not going to use corporal punishment, and uh, I've had to revoke a couple in the last few months because that did occur, and so we're very very much uh, adamant that kids don't get hit. Uh, 
I, I know it says in the Bible, spare the rod, spoil the child. But in this case, we're talking about children that have been traumatized. And we don't know how they've been. Sometimes we don't know how much they've been traumatized or, or to what extent they've been traumatized. And so that's why we say it's better to keep hands off unless you're going to hug them or, or, or uh, you know, pat them on the back. Uh, and uh, so any other questions? You guys got some great questions. I really appreciate it. Uh, not that many, uh, probably half dozen. I, I was I was kind of uh, my position. It was a little bit different. I was doing treatment, foster care, so I had case responsibility for the children placed with me. This was in Missouri under a different uh, under a different social service uh, uh, banner. Yes. Well, um, I would say that besides praying, if there's things, if, you know, sometimes kids uh, need extra clothes. Sometimes they need school supplies. Uh, I know we help out with some of that, but uh, to be honest with you, sometimes it's not enough. Uh, you know, whatever you can do, uh, maybe maybe you can watch the kids some night and let them let them go out and have a night out. Um, the the thing is, if you do that, though, you just have to make sure it gets cleared with their caseworker. Uh, that is always the that's always the the main thing. Having been a caseworker, uh, I know that that's the fact. But anything, uh, be creative. You know. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you have anything special that you're talented with. Uh, maybe you can uh, teach kids certain things, uh, like how to paint or draw. You know, be mentors, I guess, in some ways. Uh, these are all things that don't cost anything but time. Uh, and... I don't know. Is there anything specifically that you think that you would help you and Jennifer? Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about a couple things I think we can do as a congregation. Okay. All right. Yeah, I, I really appreciate the way you guys are kind of a, wrapping yourself around this. Uh, I'd like to see this in more churches. Uh, you know, because I really think the churches let let down this great part of the Great Commission uh, and let the government uh, do it. And, and we don't do it very well. Uh, having been a part of having been a part of the government uh, answer to the problem, uh, I know that we always we always didn't do it well. Uh, and a lot of a lot of times it's the bureaucracy, the court system's unwieldy. Uh, just the DCFS can be unwieldy in itself as a 
monolithic organization. Uh, and all the policies, procedures, and everything, you know, there's so many regulations. But anyway, I'm not going to get off on that. I could talk a long time on that. But anyway, Mark, thanks for inviting me to come. Uh, If any of you would like to talk to me afterwards, I'll be hanging around here for a little bit. Uh, if you'd like to know more about how to to get connected, I'd be happy to explain it to you. Great. Thanks again, Thank Mark. Thank you. Uh, Jennifer and I are licensed through LSSI, uh, which Bob works for. If you have any questions for him, talk to him. You can talk to Jennifer and I. Joanne Hagstrom uh, works for Children's Home and Aid, is also a licensing worker. You can talk to her. Todd Scott also works in that system through DCFS, uh, kind of. Uh, you can talk to him, and we have other people in the congregation um, who are interested in it and who know about it. I, I think as a congregation, I won't go into too much. As a congregation, yes, band, you can come up. Um, there are a couple things we can do. There are not a lot of churches which are friendly to foster families because church generally is pretty structured, and foster children generally have not had a lot of structure. And so in our traditional churches, we expect children to sit and be quiet. They don't have a lot of exposure to that. So we have a casual atmosphere, and we have a relational atmosphere, and I think that's something we offer and that we can continue to offer to foster families. We are a church that doesn't mind kids running around, doesn't mind families, doesn't mind a little activity, and we're a church that wants to be in relationship, wants to support, uh, and, and most of you know, those, those who are part of New Life, you've done so much to help Alex and Selena, and uh, we'll continue to do that with all the children of this congregation, whether they're um, placed in the system or not. Um, and I continue to, to say, as we've been talking over the last six months now, seven months now, one of the greatest things we can do is continue to make disciples for Jesus Christ. Because the more disciples we make and the better relationships we have, the more we can show people what a Christian relationship looks like, what Christian parenting looks like, and the less and less children have to be in this system. Uh, but the need is great. Uh, the last number I heard was there's about 5,000 children in Illinois in the system. Um, that's down a lot because they've made it adoption a little bit more accessible. But the need is great. And, you know, there's, there's nobody in here. Matt and Whitney have five kids at their house. Um, so even they could foster. So, right, everybody's got, everybody's got open. And, and believe me, we, we can fit six in our house according to the licensing standards. So uh, Bob and Joanne can tell you, uh, your house doesn't have to be very big. And you don't have to make a lot of money. And you don't have to have a lot of stuff to have six foster children living in your house. Um, but uh, there's so much you can do. So I, I continue to... Pray about it, think about it, um, continue to talk to uh, these wonderful people in our community uh, and get to know them a little bit and get to understand how better uh, you can serve them and serve each other. So uh, let us, um, uh, do we, we'll pass around offering baskets at some point. Um, if we have, I don't even know, I don't see them out here. Um, so if somebody wants to get those while, while the band is singing, uh, we'll pass those around for those who have brought their offering tonight. Um, again, thank you. Uh, thank you for being here, and we will uh, celebrate uh, with some music and uh, uh, continue our time of worship. <laughs> 